Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, good evening. I'm Dr. Gina, and this is Primetime. Welcome. We're glad to have you with us. We start off the show tonight with a fake news alert. So the Today Show did a segment on January 6th, uh, on the rather January 6th Capitol breach and reported on the experience of Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez hiding in her bathroom as rioters banged on the door and she said she thought it was all over. And as we watch this, I want you to be aware that virtually nothing in this report is actually true. We cannot move on without accountability. We cannot heal without accountability. Overnight, New York Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez opening up for the first time about her experiences during the Capitol riot. All of a sudden, I hear boom, 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 boom on my door. And then I hear these huge, violent bangs on my door. And then every door. She hid inside a bathroom within her inner office. Like this, like I'm here and the bathroom door starts going like this, like the bathroom door is behind me, or rather in front of me. And I'm like this and the door hinges right here. And I just hear, where is she? Where is she? And um, this was the moment where I thought, everything was over. I just, I mean, I thought I was going to die. When Ocasio-Cortez came out of the bathroom, there was a Capitol Police officer there. She and her legislative director ended up barricading themselves in the office of fellow Democratic Congresswoman Katie Porter, where staff members pushed furniture up against the doors. She said, I'm looking for where I'm going to hide. I was saying, well, don't worry, I'm a mom, I'm calm, I've got everything here we need. And she said, I just hope I get to be a mom. I hope I don't die today. Ocasio-Cortez describing the impact of the riots, revealing for the first time that she's been a victim of sexual assault. These are the same tactics of abusers. And um, I'm a survivor of sexual assault. Um, And I haven't told many people that in my life. Um, But... When we go through trauma, trauma compounds on each other. Visibly emotional there. And she, members of Congress and the country, are going to be living through that trauma again next week as former President Trump's impeachment trial unfolds. Now, all of the networks accepted this as absolute truth from AOC, because after all, if she said it, it was absolute truth. The story Sounded really scary, and AOC was receiving a lot of press over this until Congresswoman Nancy Mace revealed that AOC wasn't anywhere near the violence at the Capitol. She wasn't even in the Capitol building. 
Nancy Mace tweeted this. My office is two doors down from AOC and the insurrectionists never stormed our hallway. The Today Show didn't even check the facts on the story. They just went ahead and reported it as fact. If they had, they would have known that Congress members' offices are across the street from the Capitol in the Cannon office building. And many other networks actually fell for this and reported it too. But the Today Show did delete their tweets with uh, the videos of this story. And Ben Smith of the New York Times tweeted that he can no longer see Today's Show's story on Twitter. Social media users have also been reminding everyone that this isn't the first dramatic social media post from AOC that is heavy on drama and rather light on facts. Remember, her 28 teen photo shoot where she was so heartbroken over seeing illegal immigrant kids in cages at a border detention center? Well, that was fake too. She couldn't see any kids or cages or anything of the sort because she was actually standing by a chain link fence and putting on a show. And we are still waiting for the fact-checked warnings to appear over AOC's tweets and Instagram posts. But you probably won't see those anytime soon. Now, on over at the White House, Joe Biden was asked about the deadly ambush of two FBI agents in Florida this week. So he shuffled his note cards around and read his notes and his comments got a lot of people fired up. Watch this. My heart aches for the families. I've not had an opportunity, nor will I try today, to, um, to contact them. But uh, they put their lives on the line and uh, it's a hell of a price to pay. And every single day, every show of these folks get up and they, uh, by and large, the vast, vast majority of these men and women are uh, decent, honorable people put themselves on the line. We owe them. Now, he said the vast majority of law enforcement are decent and honorable. So that means there's a pretty high likelihood, according to Joe Biden, that the agents who were killed are decent and honorable people. So how many are decent and honorable? Did he mean 85%, 90% are decent and honorable? Or are 10 to 15% of law enforcement not decent and honorable? Maybe we should check their social media accounts to make sure, just like how they checked the accounts of the National Guard troops in DC guarding the inauguration. More on that coming up, but now, I want to head around America to our hosts and correspondents. Let's start with Jessica Rivera in Denver. Jessica, what do you have for us today? Dr. Gina, with the new Biden administration, we keep hearing about equity. By the way, equity is when everyone is treated differently depending on their need, and it's not equality. And recently, Alaska Senator Dan Sullivan spoke to Democrats about a study that proves President Joe Biden killing gas and oil jobs is actually deadly and it's not equitable. Take a listen. But what happened from 1980 and 2014 is resource development happened. Oil and gas happened. Mining happened. And that's why I get so emotional about these issues. These are equity issues. These are environmental justice issues. If this administration wants to shut down these kind of economic opportunities, this impacts people's jobs, but also how long they live. So I would like to get your commitment before any big decisions are made on undermining these kind of industries to work with me, work with my stakeholders, 
Dr. Gina, so the question is, if the Biden administration claims to listen to science and data, why are they ignoring the fact that killing these jobs will lead to the deaths of many Americans, specifically our oil and gas workers? It makes no sense, but it's like the saying goes, actions speak louder than words. Dr. Gina, back to you. Well, absolutely, Jessica. We shouldn't be surprised after we watched the whole COVID thing take place and no one wanted to talk about, they still, in fact, will not talk about the suicide deaths and the deaths by alcoholism and the deaths by drug addiction and all the other ways people died because of their policies that were so restrictive um, that they based upon statistics and, in some cases, absolutely illegitimate science that was negated by their own so-called scientists. So we shouldn't be surprised that they're not basing any of their other policy on science either. We're going to talk about that more later in the show as well. Now let's head out to Washington, D.C. to Sophie Mann from Just the News. Sophie, what stories are you working on for us today? Hi, Dr. Gina. Well, today we're seeing developments on the West Coast as San Francisco finally starts to deal with the fact that their public school students have been out of the classroom for nearly an entire year and exactly what that means for them. Um, we know that in a lot of cities around the country, school boards have begun fighting with their city governments about exactly what sort of conditions are going to need to be in place before students will be allowed to return to in-person learning, which we've seen at this point is significantly more effective and dramatically better for students and their mental health and academic development than online learning. So what's happening in San Francisco now is that City Hall has decided to sue their Board of Education um, as a method of prompting the teachers to make a plan to return to the classrooms. Um, this is sort of an interesting development because generally speaking, City Hall and the school board work together and are in fact part of the same coalition of broader sort of communities that run the city, though the Board of Education does operate separately of uh, City Hall. And in this case, last week, the school board had an hours long meeting um, to decide to remove the names of several presidents, including George Washington and Abraham Lincoln, from school buildings. And at no point in that meeting did discussions of a plan to reopen come up at all. Um, parents were outraged about this. The mayor of the city was actually outraged about this and told uh, the board that it was time to focus on getting children back to school and continuing their education and that thinking about the names of schools is something that they can think about once they have an actual plan in place to continue teaching students. Oh, wow. Well, thank you so much, Sophie. Sounds like the can cancel culture is alive and well, unfortunately. All right, coming up, Kim Klasik and Aaron Elmore have some words for AOC. And uh, I think some of their words might have a lot more wisdom than emotion, unlike those of AOC. So you won't want to miss this. More Dr. Gina Primetime is coming at you. So stay right where you are. It's going to be a great show. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And hey, welcome back to Dr. Gina Prime Time. 
Now, in the first block, we showed you the fake news segment from the Today Show that described the almost entirely false account from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, where she describes hiding from rioters during the Capitol breach. She wasn't in the Capitol. She was across the street in an office building, and she was never in any danger whatsoever. But she can sure put on quite the dramatic show, can't she? Here to discuss Congressional Republican nominee in Maryland District 7 and social media sensation Kim Klasik. Kim, glad to have you with us. And here in studio with me also... Our regular guest and one of our best, Aaron Elmore. Glad to have both of you with us. Kim, I want to go to you first. Um, there really is nothing that AOC won't politicize these days, it seems. But did you fall for this when, when you first saw this very dramatic um, video that we played in the first in the first block here of her describing her beating on the door and, and being threatened and thinking her life was over and she was going to die? Yeah, no, thanks. First of all, Dr. Gina, thank you so much for having me. Um, but I didn't I didn't believe her at all. And there were so many different reasons why. Um, but I watched her Instagram live video. And if you look at that, she talks about not just what happened on January 6th, but she also talks about what she encountered on January 5th. Now, I was actually in D.C. on the 5th uh, speaking at a Moms for Trump event. And she actually described that she encountered some Trump supporters that had spear-like weapons with them behind her car threatening her. There were no, there was absolutely nobody on Capitol Hill on the 5th with any kind of weapons. There were no riots. I was there at a mob event. Um, but then she goes further to explain that she went in and she was in her office building, but then she went towards uh, Representative Porter's office. Um, but then she was, you know, dramatically chased, I guess, by a bunch of rioters. None of it made sense. I actually read her tweet out on Fox News earlier this week, but she posted on January 6th, and it completely is contrast to what she said. And in that tweet, she said, you know what? I'm fine. I'm okay. Let's just focus on getting the Republicans, and I'll tell you my story later. And now all of a sudden we hear this account where she was threatened and feared for her life. So none of it made sense. Well, and, you, and you're discerning. And that's the great thing, uh, you know, because you've seen this kind of thing before. We remember where she said that she was at the border and that there were these uh, children who were being, you know, of course, put in cages, which, of course, we all know that Obama's actually the one that did that and that Donald Trump inherited that problem. Uh, but all of that was even fake because she wasn't even at the border. And we figured all of that out later. Um, but, Aaron, I, I want to turn to you because AOC, AOC then said, um, as 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 Kim is, is, is relaying, that this was all about, uh, all, all reminiscent of a, um, a sexual assault that she had endured and um, very traumatic for her. And, you know, and perhaps that did take place. Perhaps she has endured a sexual assault. We can't possibly know. But it seems like there is a, a victimhood status with her almost on a on a monthly basis, you know, she's the victim of this. She's the victim of that. She 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 accused Ted Cruz of horrible things that he hasn't done. She's accused, uh, you know, um, Trump supporters of horrible things that they haven't done. Do you think this ends with her, or is this how she keeps her fan base engaged? 
You know, as an attorney, I would say this goes to her reputation for honesty and veracity in telling the truth. She's clearly attention-seeking. She has no foundation in reality when she speaks. Unfortunately, I think her constituents do not care and she will get reelected. I would much rather see her bartend again, like the red hat says, make AOC bartend again. <laughs> Truthfully, she is not a good person. She is not a good legislator. She hasn't done anything to benefit the American people or her constituents. I saw a very funny meme, however, online today that said she's suffering from a grave illness called liabetes. <laughs> which is funny because it's true and that Joe Biden has raised the cost of insulin. So maybe that will at least bring awareness to some of the malfeasance of, of Joe Biden's current administration. But she is very sad for having to use a tragedy for her own personal attention seeking and gain. She said her life was in danger. We know that is false. Mm -hmm. She said to Ted Cruz and other senators, well, you tried to kill me. Well, did any of that happen? And the short answer is no, it did not. Yeah, and you know, I can't help but think, Kim, uh, as, I, as I have you here on the show, in the, of the difference uh, in what you would have done as a congresswoman and the difference between the way that she is, you know, portraying herself as a congresswoman. And I want to give you a chance to just sort of out, outline what would be difference in, in, in different about your leadership as a congresswoman? What is different about the kind of people that Republicans are electing, the kind of women that lead who are conservatives, um, as opposed to someone like AOC, who, where it seems to be she is just consumed with herself and talking about herself and building her own fan base, much more so than actually leading for her constituency. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. She is all about AOC, and that's her biggest issue. Um, you know, we saw, what was it, just last year, or maybe two years ago, where she was in office, and she talked about how she didn't want Amazon to come and bring jobs to her constituents. Who says that they don't want jobs within their district? No one says that, you know? Um, but she did, and Amazon took their business elsewhere. And so it's always about her and what she wants to do, um, unfortunately, in that situation, I myself, you know, I would have been checking on my my colleagues that were actually in the Capitol that day. You know, I remember seeing video of uh, Representative Marjorie Green walking from the Capitol. They had her in the underground tunnels. Uh, Representative Cory Bush, who's on the other side of the aisle, she was walking through the tunnels. Um, so there were actually representatives that were in the Capitol while the riots were happening. And I would have been checking on my colleagues to make sure that they were okay and they were safe, not coming up with this crazy story that I was somehow involved. Um, but that's the difference between me and AOC. And you know, I wanna to add to that, Kim, we didn't see this sort of empathy for her when the lives of, for example, Steve Scalise mm -hmm. Uh, were, were truly threatened. We haven't seen this sort of empathy from her, these sort of um, accounts from her when we, when we have truly seen sexual assaults take place uh, on, on citizens. It's funny that this, this empathy seems to be evoked in her when something, when a story is being told about herself. Don't you find that interesting, Kim? I do, I do. And I think that's why she might have wrapped that uh, sexual assault with it uh, which is really upsetting to me because look, there's a lot of women that are afraid to come forward with their sexual assault stories, right? It's something that you dig within yourself to bring forward. And for some of the women, it's therapeutic to tell that story. And so for her to add that into this Instagram live video, you know, the first time that she's talking about it, and to add it to the story that she conjured up that we find out later, I mean, it's just really sad all around. And I hope that 
young women and men watching it know, look, we take sexual assault stories seriously and we want you to come forward with them, uh, but we need representatives to be leaders in, in telling the truth. And Darren, as an attorney, I have to ask you, because you know people are building this case against social media companies right now. Right. And I'm seeing this all around. We have many friends who are building cases against uh, social media companies because they feel they've been treated unfairly. We see fact checkers all the time on, con on um, conservative websites uh, and, and, and on, you know, on conservative uh, social media accounts. Uh, we saw it on the president himself over and over again, even on things like he took a day golfing and there's a fact checker like, was he really golfing? Uh, but we don't see fact checkers on people like AOC who have repeatedly been caught in lies. So my question to you is, do these sorts of omissions of fact checking on accounts like AOC's play into these lawsuits that are happening right now? There is absolutely no accountability. And we already know that big tech is an arm of the Democrat Party. We know that. They are just their civil corporate actor that can do what the government cannot. Because everyone cries and bangs their fists about the First Amendment towards the government. You don't have those protections when you're dealing with a private corporation. We can't say, oh, I have my right to free speech. The corporation can say, I can do whatever I want. Making it even a step further is Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act protects these big tech corporations. It shields them for legal liability. And I would like to know why the conservatives in the House and the Senate haven't done anything about this, because they really should. This has gone completely unchecked. There are no checks and balances, and this is completely unfair. Thank God here in Florida we have Ron DeSantis our great governor that is starting to hold these big tech companies liable. And I want to see the Christie Gnomes and other conservative governors doing the same thing in their states because clearly the federal government isn't capable of acting. And, and that is really interesting, too, uh, when you think about it, Kim, that you know, uh, the, the Republicans aren't being held to account. And I know that you know a lot of them because you ran with them. And, and when, you sort of, when you're sort of all in the same boat, you do a lot of communicating with them. Do you think that some of these other conservatives that ran at the same time you ran will start to step up and sprout a backbone? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you pointed out I did. I ran with some great ones that are in the freshman class right now. Uh, Representative Madison Cawthorn, I think, is one of those. Um, and he's talking about taking on big tech, talking about taking on voter integrity. Um, but I agree with Aaron. This is things that we should have been tackling while President Trump was in office, while we still held on to the Senate as Republicans. And the fact that we didn't take care of it, that we let uh, Democrats control the narrative so often. I mean, how long do we talk about impeachment when we should have been focused on the issues that we wanted to get across, uh, especially things like, you know, working on a balanced budget even, uh, which would have been helpful now that we're going through this COVID pandemic. Um, but, you know, hopefully, like I said, Madison Cawthorn, Byron Donaldson, you know, I know he's from Florida over in Naples. There's a lot of people in the freshman class, I think, that do have this backbone. And so I'm holding out hope that they'll do something. And then hopefully we'll have even more brave soldiers there in the House on 2022. All right, I want to switch topics briefly. Joe Biden commented on the FBI agents that were killed in the line of duty this week. And he said they might be decent people. Watch this. My heart aches for the families. I've not had an opportunity, nor will I try today, to, um, to contact them. But... Uh, put their lives on the line and uh, it's a hell of a price to pay and every single day every one of these folks get up and they uh, by and large the vast vast majority of these men and women are uh, decent honorable people put themselves on the line we owe them kim could he not just this one time 
while people are mourning the deaths of these people, could he not just one time say something nice about about police officers? It appears that he can't. You know, he's in a position right now where he's got to feed the beast, so to say. He has bowed down to the extreme left, and we know they are all against police officers, FBI agents that actually go out and serve wars, that are actually on patrol in some of these dangerous areas. Look, you know, our police are our heroes, right? Every single day they risk their lives for people like you and I that they've never even met. And so we have to honor that, just the fact that they get up and put their lives on the line every day. So to hear that from our president, I mean, he talks about unity, he talks about healing the country, and he's showing just the opposite with his words and actions. And Aaron, Kim makes a great point. Is there anything that Joe Biden has done so far that you feel is any sort of an olive, olive branch that makes you feel as though he is looking for unity on on any level in any topic of policy that you've seen so far? Actions speak so much louder than words here. There's a reason why the hashtag about regretting voting for Joe Biden is trending so heavily on social media. People are really disappointed. People in the unions that voted for him and backed him, he kept every promise. He said he was going to close the Keystone Pipeline, and that's what he's doing. He's hurting Americans by all of his policies with um, illegal aliens. People in America are out of work because of the pandemic. Does he care? It seems not. He talks about unity, but actions truly speak louder than words. And he's doing nothing but harming the people of this great nation. What happened to America first? That is not a policy that he believes in. Marvel, we need to support our police. This harkens back to the summer when we had the BLM riots and protests and destruction in 47 cities across our country. And all they said that these are mostly peaceful protests. Well, it is not mostly people peaceful when 47 Americans lose their lives. Two FBA agents, these are parents that aren't going to go home to their children. How can we say anything other than thank you for your service in Blue Lives Matter? Yeah, great point and a great place to uh, close. And thank you both, Erin Elmore and Kim Klasik, for being with us today. We appreciate both of you and, uh, and all you've done uh, to, to just advance the cause of freedom because uh, there aren't a lot of people out there putting it on the line like both of you today, and I appreciate it. Thank you. Coming up, Governor Eric Greitens is here to break down the latest polls from Just the News. Stick around. More Dr. Gina. Prime time coming up. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. And welcome back. Thanks for joining us tonight. Now joining me in studio for my favorite part of the show is one of my favorite guests, the host of Actionable Intelligence, Governor Eric Greitens. All right, Eric, you're going to love this. Yes. This is my favorite part of the show. All right. The meme of the day. Without further ado, let's see it. All right, and the meme reads, we tried the free seven-day trial of the Biden administration, and we'd like to cancel our four-year subscription. It's just not going to work for America. Governor, are you canceling your four-year subscription? You know, I think so many Americans would love to cancel the four-year subscription. I never even signed up for this. But you have 11,000 pipe fitters who are saying, wait a second. Right. Oh, my gosh. 11,000 jobs. He wipes them out in, in the first day. 
You've got Joe Biden standing there telling the American people, you can't show up at a national monument without getting in trouble if you're not wearing a mask, but he's not doing it himself. I think people are just, they're already sick of this difference between the rhetoric and the reality. Absolutely, they are ready to cancel. Ready to cancel. All right, and with that, wisdom and commentary from Governor Eric Greitens from Actionable Intelligence. Uh, We thank you for being with us tonight. Coming up, we go through the worst of the worst national security hires in the Biden administration with Brigitte Gabriel. More Dr. Gina primetime is coming at you, so stay right where you are. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. And welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. I have said many times during the Trump administration that I felt a lot safer as a mom than I ever remembered feeling under previous presidencies. I wasn't worried that my son would be sent to war. I didn't have to worry about a terror attack on our soil. The world was just more peaceful and safe than I ever felt it in my lifetime when President Trump was in the Oval Office. But I don't know if that feeling will last long into the Biden administration. Biden's national security appointees are pretty disappointing and pretty scandalous, honestly. Biden's national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, sent classified information through Hillary's secret and unsecure email server. Victoria Newland is incoming undersecretary of state, and she is tied to Christopher Steele, the author of the fake Trump-Russia dossier. Now, Susan Rice is the new Biden White House domestic advisor, and she is famous for lying about the reasons for the Benghazi terror attack. Remember that? And for being in the middle of the Trump-Russia collusion investigation. Couldn't Biden find anyone a little less corrupt to take place in these uh, top national security roles? You would think so. Well, anyway, here with me now to discuss the founder of Act for America, Brigitte Gabriel. And we're so happy to have you here with us, Brigitte. You know, you really, you look at some of his choices and it almost seems as if having a scandal is a prerequisite to being part of the Biden administration. Have you looked down some of these names? Well, that's the voucher card that you are approved. You are in the club. If you have a scandal and you were you were working very closely with the Obama administration, you're already pre-approved. That's your card of entry into the new Biden administration. That means they trust you. You are in the system. You are on the same page with them. You agree with the same policy. Basically, this is an extension of the Obama years, his third term, with the puppet senile Biden basically sitting at the White House, um, you know, speaking as, you know, as the president. Have you ever in your lifetime seen someone come in and immediately sign so many executive orders, reversing so much of what made our nation secure? I mean, there are very few, even, even, even even foreign leaders who were not fans of President Trump, you know, Angela Merkel, for example, yes. came in and said, you know, some of the decisions you're making, whoa, you know, we, we had uh, uh, from France, I'm blanking on his name, no, so from Canada, sorry, uh, come and say, uh, you know, the, some of these decisions, the pipeline, for example, not a good decision. Um, right. We've had others, you know, there were never fans of President Trump say, you know, hey, whoa, Joe, <laughs> That's right. for lack of a better way to put it. Um, Brigitte, 
our national security goes hand in hand with our economic security. Absolutely. And he is putting it all at risk through all of these EOs, and, and no one seems to be saying anything about it here domestically. Right, here domestically. But the rest of the world uh, is concerned because an unstable America means an unstable world. And the world is watching the leadership in America today under Biden. And they know that he doesn't have all his brain together. I mean, they can tell. Who are we kidding? Yeah. They understand that this is not a Trump administration. The bad players, the bad actors know that now they can get away. Now this is their four-year window of opportunity to do all their bad things, to increase their influence around the world or increase their terrorism or increase their corruption around the world. And the good guys... People who are sitting on the sidelines are thinking this is very dangerous because now there is no America that we can count on. There is no America that we can stand with. If you look at the Middle East, for example, and you look at all the Sunni states that signed the peace treaty with Israel, right. this is unprecedented. I mean, we have seen everybody try to solve the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. Right. And, uh, and I have to say, uh, uh, when um, Jared Kushner was appointed to solve the Middle East problem, I, saw, I rolled my eyes back. I'm like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? But I have to say, he deserves my respect because the way they thought out of the box was unbelievable. But they were able to bring all these Sunni nations together to say, look, you can have a common interest and a common enemy. Your common interest is economic freedom and safety. Your enemy is Iran and its threat to the Sunni world. So they brought them together as a powerful unit, peaceful unit with Israel. Now the whole situation is destabilized because these Sunni states do not know where America stands, what America is going to do under Biden, who's basically going back and laying the red carpet for Iran, in, you know, lifting the sanctions, which was almost killing Iran, and we're just literally reversing back. It's like a snowball, bad snowball with a terrible effect, like an avalanche going downhill, and nobody knows how to stop it. Nobody does. We all know that Joe Biden is extraordinarily compromised on China, which is perhaps, perhaps the scariest uh, point of all, although I don't even know because the whole destabilization in the Middle East, um, undoing, unraveling what, as you pointed out, Jared Kushner managed to accomplish w w during the Trump administration in the Middle East is, is a huge part of uh, what we enjoyed during those four years of the Trump administration as well. Um, what do you see as the primary threat in terms of our national security at this moment? Well, at this moment, all our enemies are smelling blood. Yes. So you've got the, the Chinese are smelling blood, the Iranians are smelling blood, and these two are the biggest threat to the United States right now from the outside. On the inside, the greatest threat to us right now are Antifa, and believe it or not, Black Lives Matter yeah. organization, because they are not pro-America. They are for the destruction of the America that you and I know and have grown up in and experienced and we want to pass to our children. They envisioned a very different America. They want open borders. They prefer to give benefits to foreigners who break the law to get here instead of giving it to the American people. They have no respect to our uh, values, the American values that made America great. You cannot be a great country if you do not have a secure border, if you do not agree on the same values, and if you don't have patriotism and your love for country to stand up and defend the country. So you have Black Lives Matter who want to defund our police. They are doing diversity training to the military right now, weakening our military. Look what they just did yesterday with the pause on the military. 
what what type of signal are you sending to our enemies can you imagine if any country wanted to attack us right now let's say china decided i want to declare war on america right now and go in is our military prepared with a pause so they can clean out people with attitude and we know exactly what they're going after anybody who is pro-trump they're basically cleaning purging the military from anybody who's uh, who believes in america first uh, not just America first policies, but America first, that we die, that this is the greatest country in the world. And this is exactly the, the idea and the attitude and the passion that you need, especially for those who are going to go fight your wars to protect the homeland. So they're basically stripping everything that made America great. And so within the inside, it's Antifa and Black Lives Matter. The socialist leaders elected in our government, the Ocasio-Cortez, uh, the Rashida Tlaib, the Ilhan Omar, Nancy Pelosi. It's like old furniture, you know, just, you know, it's like the dinosaur. It's, it's like furniture. It's there for 30, 40 years. Um, those are the threat to our national security. And yes, the enemies within, and we've talked about this many times, and, and many people predicted that that is exactly what would bring America down. So right. for the average citizen, because I always like to boil it down for our audience, for the average citizen, um, if you were to advise them how best to fight, I think people are, they feel like they're out of answers. They feel like their vote, vote didn't count. They feel like their voice is silenced. Their platforms are being taken away. Um, heck, you know, you and I both have friends who... Um, you know, who, who, are, who are being arrested for their opinions today. Right. Right. Um, so how do you advise the average member in our audience out here today to, to take, take the reins and, and try to do their part? Great question, and I have great answer. We have hope. We have great hope. Look, my organization, Act for America, Act for America today is the largest national security grassroots organization in the country. Uh, we are 1.6 million members, and we have helped pass 108 bills on the federal level and the state level. The majority of the bills under Obama, when Obama won, people would say to me, oh my gosh, Brigitte, it's over. The country is destroyed. What are we going to do? How are we going to recover? And when he won in 2008, people were saying that. That's when we launched our chapter network on the local level. And when Obama was in office, because we knew we could not pass anything on the federal level, because remember, the Democrats controlled the House, the Senate, and the White right. House. We knew we could pass bills on the state level. Okay. Because when you pass enough bills on the state level, then it becomes precedent, and then you can introduce it on the federal level. Under Obama, we were able, in the eight years, we were able to pass one, uh, sorry, 70 bills on the state level. And here's how we did it. And this was before social media and Twitter. Look, in 2008, 2009, 2010, Twitter didn't exist. Instagram didn't exist. Facebook was for teenagers. Now it's for grandparents. But back then, remember? <laughs> how did that happen? It was for teenagers. And so the way we did it was the old-fashioned way. Starting groups in local communities. Sending an email to our group through our own protected email server. Saying, this is a bill introduced in your state. Here's what the bill says. Freedom of Speech Defense Act. We introduced it in New York in 2009. Started introducing it nationwide in 2010. Passed it in 13 states before 2014. Before anybody even thought about freedom of speech or we're losing our freedom of speech. And we were able to do it on the state level. So for our people watching us right now, yeah. I tell them go to actformerica.org. Get engaged, sign up as an activist, or start a group in your community. Yeah. And the great news is 
last month, in the month of January 2021, just this last month, yeah. we started 187 groups nationwide. We're seeing incredible activism, incredible engagement, and get ready to roll because we control the Republicans, controlled so 30 state legislators, 30 states. The, the, the Democrats control only 17. So we can pass as many bills as possible. There's great things that we can do without social media and we'll be able to make a difference. And we will take the House in 2022. People need to start acting now. If only you could find some passion, though, Brigitte. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much thank for being you. with us. And thank, thank you for you. everything you do for freedom. It means everything right now to have people like you. Acting you. and understanding the process and that you can yeah. act on the state yes. level when, when you feel like you're helpless on the national level. That's yes. huge, hugely encouraging, yes. I know, to our audience. Thank, thank you so you. much. And now it's time for Doctor's Orders. I've observed some verbal altercations, let's say, on social media between folks on the right who usually are on the same side of most issues. It's tough living in states like New York and California that are still mostly locked down right now. I get that. And there's a lot of judgment coming from people living in those states aimed at people living in open states like Florida and Texas and other places that are more free. I've noticed people in closed states, even supposed freedom-loving types, getting very conformist and seeming to forget that some states are open for business when they get on their high horses, aka social media. People in these closed states are starting to condemn posts about having fun, for example. They say, well, people are, people are sick, people are losing businesses, people are dying, as if posting fun pictures on social media is somehow dangerous or insensitive. And listen, I, I hate it that people have died. I myself have lost two close friends to COVID suicides and I had the first strain of COVID. It's no joke. And I wish that on absolutely no one, but the death rate for people under the age of 75 is about the same as the seasonal flu. And we didn't stop the world and kill our economy for that. We have lost our collective minds, America, and we've got to stop acting like this isn't happening. And now that we have a year of data under our belts and we've watched the lockdown states suffer as badly or worse as states that have remained open, I'm very surprised to hear anyone criticize people for going on and living their lives. When do we start? Check out this comparison of the locked down city of Los Angeles to the state of Florida. The per capita COVID deaths spiked in locked down Los Angeles, while Florida only saw small occasional surges and was open the entire time for business. There is no mask mandate in Florida, but I keep seeing stories like the one from page six and this one with a pearl clutching Shep Smith on CNBC. Watch. We all fantasize about a time when we won't have to wear the masks anymore. It's not now, but some at a supermarket in Florida appear to have decided that the time is now. Look at this. This was the scene at Oaks Farm's Seed and to Table Market in Naples today. NBC's Sam Brock took this video, which went viral. It looks like it was taken pre-pandemic, right? Most customers and employees not wearing masks at all. The store's policy includes mask exemption guidelines. The sign says if you have a medical condition that you don't have to wear a mask and nobody inside will ask about medical conditions, so masks are not enforced. The owner told Sam Brock this when questioned about the policy. 
is yeah. your position then about medical exemptions, or is it about the fact that you don't think masks work and that the virus well, is not a real? Thing I know that the masks don't work, and I know that the virus has not has not killed four hundred thousand people in this country. That's total hogwash. Florida does not have a mask mandate, but masks do work. The science is crystal clear. In July, the CDC director said the United States could get COVID under control in four to eight weeks if we would only all wear masks. Well, actually, the CDC is the one who said that masks don't work in the beginning and the Surgeon General as well. And in fact, Fauci as well originally said that masks do not work. And in fact, the science proves out that where there are mask mandates, guess what? The COVID rates rise. That's the science. Sorry, chef. There's no mask mandate in Florida based on science. And guess what? Suicides count too. Alcoholism and drug abuse count too. And that's why Florida is open for business because we care about those deaths also. And we've been open for months. So why are you stuck on criticizing Florida as your governor in New York is caught covering up the COVID nursing home deaths there, Shep? Shep Smith says uh, that masks don't work and, and that it uh, says that masks do work rather and that that is science. But at Just the News and on our shows here at RAV, we have brought you the actual math and the science and the data. Some counties in the state of Florida have imposed local mask mandates, and the data shows that in counties where masks are mandated, COVID rates are higher. Look at the data. But I still get criticism from people. I still see this all the time on social media where they say it's wrong to have a party or it's wrong to post pictures of people not wearing masks or to have any fun because our world and our country is so troubled right now with COVID and our loss of civil liberties. But if we don't ever go to dinner or have a party or celebrate an anniversary or we don't go to lunch with our friends and we don't celebrate graduations or our loved ones, guess what? There will be more people out of work, more lost businesses, more suffering, more suicides, more drug abuse, more alcoholism. Will you please tell me how that helps? If we only post sad and morose photos of, you know, swimming in the socialist death tally of the day, guess what? There will be more suicides like my friend's deaths, and I don't want to see that. So try to make posts fun and happy and uplifting. Make your posts on social media a way to encourage and inspire and love and enjoy life. You must not be afraid to post that you are among the free and the living. We all have our petrified moments for our country right now. Trust me, I am one of you. We all have the days we have cried and mourned the deaths of our friends. Many of us have spent weeks in bed with COVID at death's door. I hope that we as a country can unite around life and around love and building up businesses and our hard workers in this country and our economy by hosting parties and celebrating with those we love. And if you feel you're in danger, stay away from them. But otherwise, go out, be safe, live within the laws of your state and enjoy your life. And if you find yourself touting the rhetoric of the left and defending their socialist, regressive, punitive ideas, you might step back and ask yourself what is happening to you instead of questioning those with whom you used to be allied. That's my doctor's orders for you today. Thank you so much for joining me tonight, and thank you to everyone here at your new home for Real News, RAV-TV, Real America's Voice, live with studios, live from Studio 6B, is up next with Damon and the crew. Hug your children, love your God. You go boldly now. 
and you live the truth. Good night, everybody.